Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Real Dr. Doolittle Show with Val Hart. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton. Hey, Val, how are you doing today? Hey, Scott, I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. How good. <laughs> well, in your neighborhood, perhaps, but in uh, another neighborhood, they're very sad. Yes. Recently, a uh, trainer at SeaWorld died because uh, of an incident that she had with a killer whale. Yes. Quite a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it uh, it looked like uh, Don Brancho, who has been a trainer for about 16 years, yeah. an animal trainer for about 16 years, was killed in an accident at SeaWorld Shamu Stadium in Orlando, Florida, yeah. on the 24th of February, 2010. And it sounds like uh, she had a ponytail, and uh, I, Kiko, I think, is the... Uh, Tilikum. Tilikum. Right, Tilikum sorry. was the yeah Tilikum was the twelve thousand pound orca um, that grabbed her by her tail and um, ponytail you know yeah her pony I'm sorry her <laughs> ponytail I, sorry <sighs> grabbed her by her ponytail and pulled her underwater and um, you know basically treated her like um, a play toy and until she died and uh, it was just such such a tragic uh, incident. I know it's not the first. Uh, there have been other incidents of other trainers. In fact, um, one of them happened in your neck of the woods at the Vancouver Aquarium. That's so, right. you know, it, it's 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 really you know, every time something like this happens, we really have to reevaluate and reconsider what are we doing? You know, why are we doing it? Um, is there value to what we're doing? And it's really triggered off a, a really big controversy uh, about, you know, the spot, putting the spotlight on SeaWorld and other places like that, like zoos and stuff, um, and animal rights groups who feel like these sea creatures and, uh, and wild creatures shouldn't be in captivity at all, you know. Right. And they, yeah, that, so they're saying that the theme parks like that are really only interested in money, not conservation and animal protection. And, you know, and then SeaWorld comes back and says, well, they gave $5 million to 350 different projects since the beginning of the conservation fund in 03. And, you know, so who knows, you know, who, what's right or wrong. Um, animal rights groups say it's wrong and cruel uh, to keep them, you know, uh, in captivity. And the, the others, other animal lovers, you know, and like SeaWorld would counter that the only way to truly understand wildlife is to see it, touch it, smell it up close, um, and just so that we can really fall in love with it, with them, you know, that like that makes it real. You know, I mean, I mean, we're so trained to see TV and movies and stuff, and, and we know that that's sort of not real. It's, it's an image through the media. And um, but when you're up close and personal with the 12,000 pound orca, <laughs> you know, Shamu kisses you on the nose. All of a sudden, it's real. You know, yeah. it's it's um it's a, it's as long a truth. As he kisses you on the nose and doesn't grab <laughs> you by the head. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so some people are saying that uh, you know the the killer whale killed a human. It should be put down. Other people are saying it should be released into the uh, wild. Others are saying, that, you know, business as usual. What, yeah. uh, what do you think? Well, from an animal communicator and an animal behaviorist point of view, I think we have to take a larger viewpoint. You know, it, it's attracted a lot of attention, and I think that's good. Um, but, and there are a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. 
you know, anything that we try to do, whether we're trying to communicate with the whale, um, whether we're trying to, um, you know, send comfort to the, the bereaved and the people who were affected so directly by the tragedy, um, you know, we all have to come from a place of loving acceptance and an honest desire to truly understand the whale's viewpoint without blame, without judgment, and try to find a neutral emotional space, which can be very difficult in, the, in you know, in such a trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's really easy to let our own feelings, our, our horror, you know, um, our beliefs or even our agendas, which, you know, animal rights groups have big agendas, you know, that they feel very strongly about um, but in this type of situation I think it's more critical to be a neutral witness and observer um, and to come at it honestly uh, what we do know is that what's done is done we don't know the specifics exactly of what actually happened that day um, we do know that the orca had reason to do whatever he did um, whether it was an accident or not you know and whether um, we understand it or not. And whether we understand it or not. You know, wildlife is, by the very nature of, of, the, of the beast, so to speak, is wild. Right. Um, when we take a wild animal that's not designed to be domesticated and we try to, in effect, domesticate them, then that is the risk. You know, that's the risk. Even with horses. You know, horses are, are more domesticated uh, than, a, than a whale, um, but they're still dangerous, and you have to respect them. You know, you have to really understand, be aware, be connected, be observant. You know, and if, you're, if your whale is having a bad day, it's probably not a good day to get in and play with him in the water. <laughs> right, you know? right. Um, so, but, I mean, you, you have to be observant. You really have to witness and, and be connected. Um, so I'm sure that the orca was giving some clues um, in, that he was emotionally upset or mentally imbalanced or, or something. Something made him think that it was the right idea and that it would be fun to do or he wouldn't have done it, you know. Um, but we, none of us will really, really know. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I agree. I think that uh, the first, first of all, you can't, there's always going to be a danger if you're yeah. a lion trainer or a uh, bear wrestler or yeah. you know, yeah. a, uh, a killer whale trainer. Right. That, uh, something is going to happen. And right. the fact that the person that this happened with had 16 years' experience suggests that, uh, you know, it's could be the luck of the draw or, or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. If you had someone that had, you know, was an apprentice train you know sea world trainer and and, yeah. and it happened you say well they just didn't know what they were doing right but right right uh, right i think that you yeah. know it's, it's not like um you know it's a first degree murder or anything like that as far as you know no it, I and mean, he didn't do it hopefully anyway with you know premeditated intent um I, yeah so. i have i have kind of the i have this philosophy about sharks Mm-hmm. Because ever since the movie Jaws came out, everyone was like, oh, you know, and the number of actual times a shark bites a human in the world is, you know, pretty rare compared to the number of times we 
hit pedestrians with our cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you <laughs> know, nobody nobody cares about that. They just care about you know a shark ate somebody and, and yeah. they're upset, right? Yeah. Shark upset. Yeah. Yeah. When I was down in Australia. Uh, they had fish and chips, and this fish and chips is really good. And it wasn't cod, and it wasn't halibut, which is what I would have up uh-huh. in Canada. Uh-huh. It was flake, and, uh, and so they called it flake and chips. And, and I'm going, huh, well, flake. <laughs> What's uh-huh. flake? What's a flake? <laughs> never heard of flake, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it was a nickname that they gave sharks. And uh-huh. they, would, they would fish, and they would pull out. I actually was down at the dock one day and saw it. About uh-huh. three foot long sharks. Wow. And I don't know if that was three foot long sharks because they were young, or, uh-huh. three foot, or that was just the species. I never really got that figured out. Yeah. But the meat of that shark was amazing. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at you know these hundreds of sharks being pulled out of the water. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, we're eating hundreds and hundreds and thousands of sharks, and so if one of them eats us, one, you know, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, they got to yeah. eat like thousands to catch up as far yeah. as... <laughs> yeah. Where's the balance in that, right? Where's the balance in that, right? Right. right. So uh, I think that, you know, if we're going to have uh, places where we can see these animals up close and we feel like that's a really good thing because if our children and, and the adults can see these animals, maybe we'll have a greater appreciation for the ocean, greater appreciation for the uh, all of the animals and... and you yes. Know, if that's the case and that's the purpose, then I think you know these animals that are caught may be considered volunteers and, and ambassadors. And because we have different cultures and values and all that sort of stuff, you know sometimes things will happen that we, yeah. uh, you know, we have to sort of take a look at. And yeah, yeah, we do. And I certainly think that uh, you know it, there's no way that uh, he should have the, the death sentence. He should either be you know retired out to sea somewhere or. Right. Or uh, just continue on as is and be very, very careful around them. Right, right. Well, you know, if it was me, I would be going in there communicating with him. You know, we need to find out what he did, why he did it, um, find out what his state of mind actually is uh, and what really happened from his viewpoint, right, right. Uh, before we make a judgment call. Scott, this reminds me of an... Um, I was called a number of years ago to go work with an elephant at the San Antonio Zoo. Wow. And, yeah, and what had happened is, is that the matriarch, her name is Jenny, um, was like 50-something years old, and she had killed her trainer. And they had her in chains, and she, they weren't trusting her, and they were afraid, you know, they didn't know why she did it. Um, they just came in, and the trainer was, was dead. He, she had basically smashed him, you know, smashed his head on the ground. And um, they didn't know what to do. You know, this normally wonderful, docile, you know, um, elderly um, elephant. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, she's got chains on her legs, and they're not letting her out of her little pen and, and not interacting with her much and all that stuff. And they're, they're like, we don't know what to do. You know, should we put her down? Um, you know, what what do we do? And so what I did is I went in and I communicated with Jenny. And Jenny told me a very interesting story. She said that this particular trainer had been harassing her and her herd. Um, and that as the matriarch, she had a right to protect 
herself and her herd, that yeah. they had been, been very patient and tolerant of this man, um, but that he, he uh, was an alcoholic um, and that he had come in that night not in his right mind, being obnoxious. And she had simply made a judgment call, an executive decision, if you will, um, that this, that was enough. And she simply grabbed him with her trunk, turned him over, pumped him on his head, which, of course, cracked his head open. And, and that was the end of it. And to her mind, it was justified action. It had nothing to do with the others who she felt were all very good-hearted, good people. Um, and she had no ill intention and no, you know, no thinking beyond, um, you know, it, it's like for her, it was done. It was complete. What needed to have been happened, what needed to have happened is now happened. You know, she took actions into her own hands. Um, you know, and when I shared that with the other handlers um, and assistants and volunteers, all of them looked at each other and went, now we understand. They said that they knew he had a drinking problem. They did not know it was that serious, um, but they completely understood. You know, and Jenny gave us her promise that she would not hurt anyone else. Uh, that probably didn't deserve it. <laughs> I have to footnote that. Um, but she had no intention of hurting anyone else. Um, and then we also went to talk about uh, the other elephants in the group and um, some of the problems that they were having and her health issues and, and a number of other things. And it was, it was so wonderful. So they went out and they unchained her and they let her back out into the large enclosure and, and she was fine. No other incidents, you know. She was just as sweet and cooperative and, you know, good as she had always been. Um, and it, it was just wonderful. I, I remember um, – a month or so after that, I took my support group animal communication students, my mentoring students. I actually took them. We went on a, an outing to, uh, to the zoo together, and we all wound up at the elephant enclosure. And we found a place on a bench in the shade, and we all kind of sat there and watched the elephants. And as soon as Jenny saw us over there, um, she grabbed a big pile of hay in her trunk and she made her way over right to us and, and stood right in front of us, put her hay down and she just stood there and ate her hay and communed with us. It was so heart, heartwarming, you know. That's wonderful. I know and, and it was so interesting because after a few minutes, one of the elephant handlers came running over there and they were very concerned and they said what are y'all doing uh, he said I don't know what y'all are doing with the elephants but this is very unusual that Jenny usually shunned the audience you know she she never paid any attention to the people the visitors and stuff but, um, but that her coming and being as close as she could get to us and bringing hay over so you know for her to eat while we chatted was highly unusual. They could not figure out what was going on. It That's was wonderful. <laughs> it was quite wonderful. And she was telling us about, you know, elephant stories that they pass on and she was asking answering our questions and and it was just just a delight. So huh, I, I, you know what Yeah, and so, you know, going back to the Sea World, you know, the 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 question about Tilikum and you know, what actually happened that day. I just, you know, when I tune into that, what it feels to me like 
um, is that he had had enough. He was not feeling happy, you know, with his circumstances. Um, he was bored. Um, and, you know, what he did with, with the trainer, um, Rancho, um, is what orca whales do in the wild. They, they play with things, and that's how they play with them. You know, they, yeah. that's part of their, their prey, you know, their, their, um, their ritual that they do. So. Yeah. Well, and there was a OSHA report that uh, was four years ago, I think, that, that came out because of an, another accident at SeaWorld in California. Yeah. And the report actually predicted that a whale trainer uh, at SeaWorld in San Diego could be killed. And it said, mm-hmm. swimming with captive orcas is inherently dangerous. And if somebody hasn't been mm-hmm. killed already, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. And uh, they went on to present evidence of the number of people who have been injured by captive orcas as well as mm-hmm. the people who have been killed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the fact is, is if an orca turns on a trainer, there's, you know, basically nothing that the trainer could do. No, it's yeah, it's over. <laughs> game yeah, over. It's yeah, game over. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, one of the things that that they should have been training the trainers is what to do when this sort of event happens or, or right. is potential to happen because right. you, they're just. I mean, it's just not like you're, uh, you know, a pet hamster or pet bunny. Yeah. You know, no, it's, no. It's, no. Well, yeah. It, it, you know, even with horses, one of the things I love about that's why I said bunnies and. And rabbits, right? Because <laughs> well, no even one, there's, except for Monty Python, we never yeah. experienced killer rabbits. Well, you know, uh, the attack of the were rabbit, you know. Right. Uh, oh, that was a the, great movie. I loved that movie. I love Gromit and Wallace. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, but yeah, you know, even even those kinds of animals can be dangerous. They can bite. You know, if they're if we don't listen to them. If we don't honor them and respect them, learn how to communicate with them um, so they can tell us when they're upset, they can talk about things that bother them so that we can work out different problems, they can tell us if they're not feeling well, right? I mean, who knows, maybe the poor poor guy had a headache that day, (laughs) Uh, you know, or, or something. I don't know. It happens. So, um, that's, that's, you know, the other thing I, I always tell people, you know, really, we have to learn how to connect and how to communicate with our animals, especially if we're working with them on a day-to-day basis. And especially and if, if they're bigger than us. And especially if they can kill us with one, you know, one little movement. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, I'm, I don't mean to be laughing. I, this is very serious. Um, but it, it's the truth, you know, um, when we work with horses, um, you know, one, one false move with a horse that's having a bad day, you know, you get too complacent, you're not paying attention, you know, not connected, you're not, you know, the, the horse isn't engaged with you and wanting to, to, you know, to do whatever you want to do with them, um, then you need to address that and, you know, ignoring it, very, very dangerous, you know, yeah, so not, right. not just whales, but, you know, so, all of us who yeah. have dogs or cats or anything. Uh, birds, so Val, uh, if somebody yeah. wanted to learn more about how to connect with their pets or their animals, uh, yeah. what do they do? Uh, you want to learn more, I have a free tips uh, that you can get by subscribing to my website. And then I have a three-step study course on learning animal communication and also an advanced coursework that includes mastering animal communication. Uh, so that's what I would do. Uh, I, I love teaching people how to connect and communicate better. It's just so important. So, so where could somebody uh, find those things? 
Well, um, you can go to my website at www.valheart.com, V-A-L-H-E-A-R-T.com, um, and sign up, subscribe to them, and uh, you'll find all that there. You can also go to my blog. You'll find a link there for the Animal Talk blog, and uh, I'd love to hear you know feedback about our show today and uh, thoughts that you might have about you know this topic, which is a very um, very serious one and a and a, a big one that affects more than us, like all of us um, with animals that work with animals, uh, whether they're wild or domestic or or, or other, you know. Right. Great. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And, Val, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to share this this great information. I really appreciate it. I've certainly learned a lot. Good, good. Yeah, uh, me too. Okay. Great. If you've enjoyed this show, everybody, head over to valhart.com and check out the Animal Talk blog and uh, leave us some comments or questions or what your opinions are. We're interested in in finding that out. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Great. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.